Well, good morning. I had a feeling it would be a morning like this. About uh, 7.30 this morning, I started receiving texts from various ones with their aches and pains and coughs and so forth. And, and so um, I think uh, whatever is going around has hit us harder than it was in the worst of the pandemic for some reason. But I'm glad you're here. And though we are few in number, uh, we still have a great God that we get to gather together and worship this morning. In the back of your bulletins are the announcements. We will be having uh, an afternoon service around 1.45 around the Lord's table. So uh, keep that in mind Wednesday. Uh, next Sunday, uh, just to take note, next Sunday is Alphabet Meal with a summer twist. An alphabet meal with a summer twist. Now, if you want to know what that is, you've got to log in to Lenaway.org and sign up. Because I'm not even sure what that is. Uh, my wife's trying to come up with these various ideas uh, with regard to lunch on Sundays. So, um, alphabet meal with a summer twist. So, look at that. Get that opportunity. Um, there is an opportunity. We mentioned this on Wednesday, but uh, there's an opportunity to visit Barb Friesen in the hospice house there in Jackson on Tuesdays and Thursdays. And some of you have asked, can we visit her? There was concern that we'd all show up at once, and that would be a bit overwhelming. There's family that has certain times they're going to be there. And so if you would like to visit Barb on a Tuesday, Thursday morning or afternoon, there's a sign-up sheet also on um, rbclinaway.org uh, uh, where you can sign up. So um, if, if you're computer savvy, I, I wouldn't know how to do any of this. Uh, if you don't know how to do it, talk to my wife. That's what I do, you know. I ask her, how do I do this? And she does it for me. So, But if you can help out with that, that would be good. Um, that would be appreciated. I do see that I left off the RBC under opportunities. So it's www.rbclenaway.org. And then you could sign up for those slots to go over there and help. And then we have the ladies' Bible study uh, in a couple weeks. And then we have a ladies' conference coming up as well with Grace Baptist in Canton. And uh, if you're planning on going to that, you might see Tricia so that we can arrange carpooling and, and motels and all that. So if you're planning on going, and I hope you are, um, then see Tricia so that all that can be arranged. All right? Oh, good. Well, now let us give ourselves to the worship of our God. Once the children of Israel left... Egypt, and once they got through the Red Sea on dry ground, you might recall there in Exodus chapter 15, there's the Song of Moses. And it is a song that gives praise to God for his redemption. And it starts out with these words I will sing unto the Lord, for he has triumphed gloriously. That was their song. They wanted to sing praises to God for His work of redemption in bringing them out of Egypt. 
I, I read someplace this week as I was considering this call to worship where one man said this, though. How long will that song go on? How long will they continue to give praise to God for that work of redemption? Because if you know anything about the history of the children of Israel, it's not too much after that that they begin to complain and murmur. But we ought to be people that continually give praise to God. I'm, I'm talking to you as well as me. When my phone started going off this morning, I'm like, <sighs> disappointed, discouraged, oh, where? And yet, we get the opportunity to come together face to face to give praise to our God, especially for the redemption that he has provided us. So we leave the bondage of sin and have a new life in him. So may God help each one of us to continually give praise to our God. Would you just take a moment to ask God to help you give him praise this morning? Inside your bulletin is the call to worship. It comes from Hebrews chapter 9, and it directs our thoughts to the great high priest, the Lord Jesus Christ. Here in this responsive reading, we hear of the person. When Christ appears, we hear of his pursuit. He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle. And we hear of his purpose, that he might cleanse from dead works and serve the true and the living God. Well, with these things, may we call one another to worship. Will you stand with me as we do so this morning? But when Christ appeared as a high priest of good things to come, He entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this creation. For if the blood of goats and bulls And the ashes of a heifer sprinkled those who have been defiled sanctifies for the cleansing of the flesh.
Now with that wonderful reality that Christ is that great high priest that brings us to God, let us give him thanks by turning in the Trinity hymn book to number 10. Number 10 in the Trinity hymn book, O come my soul, bless thou the Lord thy maker. Number 10.
us pray together. Our most gracious Father in heaven, by your grace we have risen this morning to the joy of another Lord's Day. A day set aside, a special day of worship of our great and awesome God. The sovereign, holy, triune God, full of mercy and grace, almighty in power, knowing all things, present at all times, King of kings and Lord of lords. Father, by your mercy, forgive us of our sins. By your grace, fill us with your spirit. Draw near and bless us, Father, as we lift up our voices in praise and worship from sincere hearts. Bless the reading and understanding of your word. Bless the preaching of your truth. May it powerfully speak to a stony heart today that will be regenerated and preserved for all eternity. Bless our giving today. May we give sacrificially with cheerful hearts. May we leave here today nourished and satisfied with your loving words. Be with us as we come to the Lord's table. May we come in remembrance of the cost of our great salvation. And may it cause us to obey that great commission you have given us. Give us a burden for the lost. It is in the name of Jesus Christ that we ask these things. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Now turn over to him 521 in your Trinity hymn books. 521. Tell me the story of unseen things above, of Jesus and his glory, of Jesus and his love. 521.
Please turn in your Bibles to Mark's Gospel, chapter 7, in our consecutive reading this morning. A brief summary of this chapter uh, would include the Pharisees, the story of the Pharisees and their fault-finding They were fault finders. The Pharisees held to their man-made traditions, and they laid aside God's commands. The Pharisees, as you know, were more concerned with externals instead of the issues of the heart, which is Christ's concern. We see the faith of the Syrophoenician woman a dog or a Greek, and it caused Jesus to show his mercy to her demon-possessed daughter. We also see Jesus healing the the, uh, deaf and dumb man. And the takeaways from this, I believe, would be do not be like a Pharisee, a hypocrite, one who hides under the mask of religion. And also that Jesus does all things well, and we must put all our faith and trust in him who is able. I'll be reading this morning from the King James Version. Mark chapter 7, verse 1. Then came together unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say, with unwashed hands, they find fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not. And many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and scribes ask him, Why not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashed hands? And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Esaias prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written. These people honoreth me with their lips, but with their heart is far from me. Howbeit in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandments of God, ye hold the tradition of men as the washing of pots and cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, It is Corban, that is to say, a gift by Whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his mother or his 
his father or his mother, making the word of God none effect through your tradition which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. And when he had called the people unto him, he said unto them, Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him. But the things which come out of him, those are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was entered into the house from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable. And he saith unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draft, purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, and murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. And from thence he arose and went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon, and entered into a house, and would have no man know it, but he could not be hid. For a certain woman whose young daughter had an unclean spirit heard of him, and came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, a Syrophoenician by nation, and she besought him that he would cast forth the devil out of her daughter. But Jesus said unto her, Let the children first be filled, for it is not me to take the children's bread and to cast it unto the dogs. And she answered and said unto him, Yes, Lord, yet the dogs under the table eat of the children's crumbs. And he said unto her, For this saying, Go thy way, the devil is gone out of your daughter. And when she was come to her house, she found the devil gone out and her daughter laid upon the bed. And again, departing from the coast of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hand upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged him that they should tell no man, But the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. And were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak.
As we seek our God together this morning, we want to remember the Grace Baptist Church in Islamabad, Pakistan. We got a report from them this week, apparently some flooding that's been going on, devastating flooding, and it's an opportunity for the people of God there at Grace to show benevolence and kindness by providing them with tents and food and and so forth, and we pray that God might use that to give them an opportunity to share the gospel with those who are going through this time that's also been very devastating. Also, I received a note from Pastor Jeff Smith from the Trinity Baptist Church in Montville, New Jersey. I'll be reading it on Sunday or Wednesday, God willing. And uh, the pastor's conference at um, Grace Baptist in Islamabad, Pakistan is this week. And so as you think of them and pray for them, pray also for the pastor's conference. I think Pastor Smith is going to be going and speaking at that conference. Uh, he mentioned that in his note this past week that the pastor's conference was scheduled soon and that many of the pastors have called and said they're not able to make it through because of the flooding. But we pray that those men who do get there will be blessed in their time together. Well, let us seek our God together in prayer. Again, our God, as we approach you this morning and we've heard your word read to us, may each one of us be diligent in seeking to examine our own heart and our own relationship with you. Father, how we pray that we would not be found a people who honor you with our lips, but our hearts are far away from you. May it not be said of us that they worship in me in vain. Father, may we not seek to be men and women who desire the traditions of men, but may we be found obedient to the very Word of God. And therefore, may we find it one of our chief delights is the relationship that we have with You and the opportunity of gathering together to worship You. Father, we do pray for Your church this morning that we would be found faithful faithful in obedience to our God, to your commands. Father, that we be found faithful and diligent in doing that which you have commissioned us to do, to preach the word in season and out of season, to give you praise, that, Father, we would be diligent in seeking to be a witness and a light in the world in which we live. Father, we would confess that we seem to be living in a time of great chaos uncertainty, evil, immorality, deceit. And yet, Father, how thankful we are that we have the answer that's found in Jesus Christ in His death, burial, and resurrection. And therefore, we pray that we would not be ashamed of that gospel, that we might faithfully and boldly proclaim that gospel, for it's the power of salvation for everyone who believes. And so, Father, may you bless our efforts. May you open new doors to us to share the truth of the gospel. And Father, we would ask this morning that you would be with our brothers and sisters there in Islamabad, Pakistan. We pray for that country during this time of great flooding and devastation. But Father, we're thankful that the people of God there at Grace Baptist have 
desired to use as an opportunity to share with those that are in need. And may you bless that effort. May you supply them with all the supplies they need to be beneficial for those that they seek to minister to. And may this be a means of of sharing the gospel with their neighbors and family and friends to the end that the kingdom of God would be extended from those who turn and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would be with the upcoming pastor's conference, that you would be with Pastor Danielle and Pastor Smith and perhaps others who will be ministering the Word of God. We would ask that as these pastors gather together, that you will draw near to them. We know that there is certain danger in that country in professing faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we would ask that you would keep everyone safe. Father, we would again ask that you would draw near to us. We pray for those who aren't able to be with us this morning because of illness and other afflictions. But Father, we pray that each one of us in this place will desire to hear from you and from your word and have hearts that have been prepared to receive that word that it might bear good fruit in days to come. And we'll give you the glory as we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now before we come to open the Word of God, take your hymns of grace, the hymns of grace turning to 184, Come Behold the Wondrous Mystery. 184 in the hymns of grace. Stand together and be seen.
be seated. Well, Deuteronomy chapter 18, Deuteronomy chapter 18. This morning, the focus of our attention will be upon the first eight verses of this chapter. So Deuteronomy chapter 18, starting at verse 1. The Levitical priest, the whole tribe of Levi, shall have no portion or inheritance with Israel. They shall eat the Lord's offerings by fire and his portion. They shall have no inheritance among their countrymen. The Lord is their inheritance as he promised them. Now this shall be the priest's due from the people, from those who offer a sacrifice, either an ox or a sheep, of which they shall give to the priest the shoulder and the two cheeks and the stomach, and you shall give him the first fruits of your grain, of your new wine, of your oil, and the first shearing of your sheep. For the Lord your God has chosen him and his sons from all the tribes to stand and serve in the name of the Lord forever. For if a Levi comes from any of your towns throughout Israel where he resides and comes whenever he desires to the place which the Lord chooses... Then he shall serve the name of the Lord his God like all his fellow Levites who stand there before the Lord. They shall eat equal portions except what they receive from the sale of their father's estate. We'll stop our reading there. We are in the midst of listening to Moses as he is instructing the children of Israel before they enter into the promised land. And in this section of Scripture, Moses is telling the people how they are to respond to and behave with regard to the authorities of the land. And so when they arrive in the promised land... And when they settle there, no doubt there will be disputes that will arise. And therefore, they're instructed to have judges. Judges who will not be prejudiced. Judges who will not take bribes, who will bring a resolution to the dispute. Not only that, they will have a king who will rule over the kingdom that God has established. This king will sit on the throne and will rule in humility the people of God. But now this morning we come to another group of individuals. Moses turns our attention to the Levites and the priests who were Levites. And God gives specific instructions concerning this group of people and the part they would play 
in the promised land. The Levitical priests were from the tribe of Levites. The priests were Levites. But not every Levite was a priest. But every Levite had a special calling. They were going to be used by God to be a means by which the people were going to draw near to God. If I asked you this morning, what is it that brings you the greatest delight? What is it that brings satisfaction to your souls? And there may be various answers to that question, but I pray that as the people of God, the one of the greatest delights that we have and one of the greatest means of satisfaction is our relationship to God, to, to draw near to Him. And the Levites served that purpose with the children of Israel once they had entered the promised land. They were going to be the men God would use for sacrifices and also just as a reminder that we live in the presence of God. When you would see a Levite, you would be reminded of that reality. I mean, it's somewhat like it is today. You know, someone says, well, I might behave myself differently if the pastor would just live in my home as, as though the pastor is a reminder that you will one day answer to God and you live in His presence. The, the, the Levites sort of served that opportunity as well. The Levites were also priests who entered into the Holy of Holies on the Day of Atonement in order to sacrifice. You see, Levi was Jacob's third son through his wife Leah. You know that Jacob had twelve sons. And each one of the sons were the head of various people groups that made up Israel. Levite was one of them. But Levite was a chosen servant and his family as well. And they would serve in a unique way there in the promised land. And so here as Moses speaks of this special group of men and individuals, I would have you notice four things or, or four elements to Moses' instruction concerning this group of people. At the end of the day, it should be a people that are greatly treasured by the Israelites because of their unique service in drawing men nearer to God. So we will note, first of all, God's plan for the Levites. God's plan for the Levites. And we read of that plan here in the first two verses. God's plans for the priest 
and for the whole tribe of Levite. Israel's about ready to cross the Jordan and into the promised land. And once in that land, the land would be divided, but it was not going to be divided according to the highest bidder. Moses doesn't say, okay, here's a map of the promised land. Now, you sons of Jacob, you, you figure out which plot of land, which territory you want, and, and I'm going to auction them off, and who could ever bid the highest, that territory would be yours. No, that's not how it happened. It, it didn't happen by which one of you are the stronger, or you want this territory, well, do you think you can fight Reuben for it? No, that's not how it happened. The, the division of this land was determined by God. God divinely selected a territory for each one of the sons. The twelve tribes would be given a definite portion that would be theirs continually. However, one tribe would be different. When dividing the land among the tribes, one tribe would not receive a territory, an allotment of land. And that one tribe was the tribe of Levi. Notice verse 1. The whole tribe of Levi shall have no portion or inheritance. And what's the difference between a portion and an inheritance? Well, I think it might be this. When, when you were given a territory, that was your portion. And the harvest that would come from that territory would be your inheritance. So you have a certain territory, that's yours. And you begin to plant your crops and God blesses and you have grain and so forth or you, or you have a good grazing piece of land and, and there's plenty of livestock to graze upon the land. Whatever it is, that would be your inheritance. However, the tribe of Levi neither got portion or an inheritance. Someone might say they seem to have got the raw end of the stick. They seem to have gotten cheated. Everybody else gets some land, but, but they receive nothing. But this has been established. Back in Deuteronomy chapter 10 and verses 8 and 9, we read, At that time the Lord set apart the tribe of Levi to carry the Ark of the Covenant to stand before the Lord, to serve Him and to bless His name until this day. Therefore, the Levi does not have a portion or an inheritance with his brother, for the Lord is his inheritance. We read the same thing there in Numbers chapter 18 and verse 20. But remember, this does not mean that they were completely left out. They were given a different inheritance. They shall eat the Lord's offering by fire and His portion. The Lord is 
their inheritance. The opportunity to serve Him is their prize. Their opportunity to serve Him in this unique way was their treasure. They were to live a life relying upon God, trusting Him to provide. They, they were to live a life that, that was not to be distracted by other things, by material possessions. They were to be, as we shall see in a bit, they were to be men who were devoted completely to God and to serve Him. Certainly the wisdom of God is on display here as He thinks about His people and his desire to draw near to them over and over again in the Scriptures, we read of God's desire to draw near to His people and them to draw near to Him. It's been an amazing study. Sometimes we ought to do it where you look at all the times where God says, I want you to draw near to Me. And I will draw near to you. That's His delight. And in His wisdom, He's provided a way in which that could come about by taking and separating this one tribe for this one specific purpose to serve and minister so that God's people might draw near to Him. That's God's plan for the Levite. But secondly, notice with me, God's provision for the Levites. I mean, I can imagine the man going home and telling his wife, we have no land that I can plow. We have no land that I can put livestock upon. Um, I'm not sure how we're going to live, but this is God's direction for us. And I imagine most wives would say, oh, it's okay, honey. We'll be all right. Oh, and she might be saying, well, how are we going to live? What are we going to do? But God goes on and says, I will provide for you. And he, and he tells us how He will provide for them. Through the children of Israel, God would provide for them. Verse 3, Now this shall be the priest's due from the people from those who offer a sacrifice. And then we're told that as they bring their gifts and offerings, that that offerings would be shared with the tribe of Levi, with the priest. He goes on to describe how they weren't just simply to have the leftovers. You know, they didn't go to the refrigerator and say, what, what do we have? Oh, that, that's that meatloaf we had two weeks ago. We'll give that to the Levites. Oh, just, just scrape off that little green portion off the jello there, and, and we'll give that. No, they were to come and, and give the very best, the very best to these Levites. You shall give the first fruits of your grain, your new wine, your oil, and the first sharing, sharing of your sheep. I mean, that indicates it's the first fruits. It's, it's to be the very best parts that you were to come and share with the Levites. 
Someone, I listened to preach this section of Scripture, says, here's the point. And I don't necessarily agree with this, but this was what he thought God was. And I don't know if he had a bone to pick or if there was a problem. But he said, here's the point of this. Pay the preacher. That's exactly how he said it. Pay the preacher. And, and, he, and he didn't went on to dive in that this portion of Scripture is telling you, take care of your pastor. See that he has the best. Well, might be a good application, but I'm not sure that we can make that one-to-one parallel. I think you do have a responsibility of taking care of your pastor, but I wouldn't go as far as, as that man did. But it's interesting because he says, when you offer either your ox or your sheep, of which they shall give the priest the shoulder. That's supposed to be, uh, I don't see Bill here. I, I, that's supposed to be some of the best beef there is, the shoulder. I don't know. The two cheeks. That doesn't sound too appetizing to me, but again, I'm not living in these days, so maybe there's something about good eating of the cheeks and so forth. He goes on to say, now the stomach, hmm, there you go. That sounds good. Let's see him take that as well. But, but the point is that, that they would be taking care of. God has, in His wisdom, provided a way in which these Levites, though they would have no territory, they would have provisions they would have provisions. And here again, we're sort of reminded of, of the generosity and goodness of God. He will take care of His own. For all those who trust Him. Matthew Henry says, Care was taken that the priests entangled them, not themselves with the affairs of this life, nor enriched themselves with the wealth of this world, they had better things to mind. Matthew Henry says, that, listen, the priests were to be taken care of because they had a service to perform. And they ought not to be so concerned about will we have food on our table tomorrow. God will provide it through His people. But Matthew Henry also says, neither should that Levite so enrich himself with the world. And we live in a time and in a culture where many a preacher, we can say, is doing just that. They're more concerned about making sure they have their private jets and everything necessary for that than they are in making sure the people of God are drawing near to Almighty God. I've had more of those preachers on TV tell me they want my money than I have tell me they want me to draw nearer to God. Something wrong with that message. When their message is more about what they have than it is about you coming near to God, there's something wrong with that message. That these Levites were to live with the dependence upon God. And their provision would be a witness to the people of God of God's goodness and generosity. While these servants were not to be neglected, 
They were to bring their offerings, which would then provide for the priest. And he's saying, don't be cheap in offering these things to the Lord. It would be portioned out to the priest and the Levites so that they too could eat. Don't withhold, but give your best so that they're taken care of. Mr. Craig in his commentary says, Have no, tri- Having no tribal territory, the priests were dedicated specifically to the service of the Lord and a desire to share in the bounty of the promised land. So we see God's generosity on display in how He provides for them. We see God's plan for the Levites, the wisdom of God displayed. We see God's provision for the Levites, the goodness of God displayed. And then thirdly, we see God's purpose for the Levites. God's purpose for the Levites. Verse 5, The Lord your God has chosen Him and His sons from all your tribes to stand and serve the name of the Lord forever. Verse 7, Then he shall serve the name of the Lord his God like all his fellow Levites who stand before the Lord their God. Twice in this passage we are told the purpose of the Levite was to stand before the Lord his God. And that term stand is a graphic one. It is used to describe one's loyalty and one's devotion as a servant. It would be to stand in the presence of the king, to stand in his presence waiting for his command and run immediately to do as he has instructed. They were to stand before Him. I am devoted to Him. I am passionate about the King. That's the idea. And that's what the Levites were to do. They were to be passionate about God, devoted to Him, and He has so arranged it that they were not to be distracted by other things. They did not have to worry about whether or not it would rain when they planted the seed. They did not have to worry about pestilence with regard to the livestock that might affect how the livestock will grow or get sick. They were to be devoted to Him completely, to stand before Him. They were responsible to offer sacrifice to atone for not only their sins, but the sins of the people. They were to serve the altar there in the temple or the tabernacle and later the, the, the temple. Oftentimes the priests lived in Jerusalem or near Jerusalem. However, the rest of the Levites could have been scattered all over the territory. Throughout the land, there there were some 48 cities in the promised land that would be cities that the Levites could live in. Joshua chapter 21. From these locations, the Levites 
were to be teaching and caring for the people. They were to be engaged in ministry, not in, 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 in harvest, not in planting, but in ministry for God. They were to be men dedicated to Him. And as I thought about this, and I thought about God's purpose for them, I couldn't help but think of, yes, God is a majestic God who ought to be served. People ought to be devoted to Him. The majesty of God is displayed in, in, in the recognition of that loyalty and devotion that is called for here. He deserves that. We ought to be devoted to Him. And so we see the plans for the Levites. We see the provision for the Levites. And we see the purpose of the Levites. And then finally, we see the protection for the Levites. God's protection for the Levites. And, and here we come to verses 6 and 8. And God sort of says to them, I will care for you. And here's how I will care for you. Again, they could be spread out throughout the territory. And if there comes a time where these Levites would say, you know what, I want to go to Jerusalem. I, I want to be the, near the temple. Maybe it's near retirement age and, and they're thinking, I'm coming to the end of my days and I, I want to spend my final days in Jerusalem. I, I want to spend my final days near the temple. That's, that's the place where God chooses, as He mentions here, the place which the Lord chooses. We know that it ends up being Jerusalem where the tabernacle and then the temple would be built. And, and they decide, it's time for me to reside there. I, I want to go to that place. And, and verse 8 says, when they go there, they're to be treated equal. They're not to be treated any different. They may not have served as priests, they may not have had that, that wonderful title of, of priest and the blessed privilege of, of going into the Holy of Holies. But they're to be treated equally. They're, they're to have an equal share. They're to be cared for. They have served me in other ways. You know, we tend to think about certain men who have certain privileges because of certain titles. Some time ago, there came this terminology called celebrity preachers. Celebrity preachers. And there, you know, we could name maybe five or ten people who, wherever there was a big conference, there would be these celebrity pastors and if you paid a little bit extra to go to the conference, you may be able to get past the, the, the barrier and get your picture taken with one of them. I mean, I've been to some of these conferences. They're wonderful conferences, good preachers. But you can't get near them. You can't get near them. They have a barrier there. And so nobody put a barrier, I don't know why, Around Pastor Walden. Can't get near him. No, he was bumped and pushed and shoved like everybody else when you got 14,000 people gathered together in one place. But, but what Moses is saying is, listen, when it comes to the Levites, there's no celebrity. They're to be all cared for. Now apparently, 
Though the Levites had no territory of their own, they could have houses, they could have estates, they could have some things. But they couldn't have a a, a territory that they could say was theirs. They had no plot of land that they could deal with. But this is how God cared for His people. This is how God's care is displayed as He protects the Levite. They shall eat equal portions except what they receive from the sale of their father's estate. They're to all be treated equally. Well, that's, that's the instruction given concerning these Levites and these priests. We no longer in the New Covenant need priests. Isn't that a glorious thing? We have a high priest, Jesus Christ. And in Jesus Christ, we can draw near to God. And in fact, Peter says, we are as believers a royal priesthood. I now have the privilege of going into the presence of God, not through a mediator, but but I go into the presence of God through the work of the great high priest, Jesus Christ, and being united to Him, I, I can now myself go into God's presence. I need no priest. I need no pope. In the new covenant. And what a blessed privilege. And how better that is than what they had in the old covenant. Remember the book of Hebrews was all about that. The people were like, well... Don't we need a priest, a a visible priest? And we say, no, we have a priest seated at the right hand of the Father. Yeah, but I like a visible priest. I like to see somebody who who takes my sacrifice and and then places it on the altar and and he walks into the Holy of Holies. I like that. I say to you, my friend, there's something much better, and that is I get to go in the Holy of Holies myself. God has provided a better way. In His Son, Jesus Christ. God has always wanted to draw near to His people. God has always wanted His people to draw near to them. In the Old Covenant, that came through these priests, these Levitical priests. In the New Covenant, we have the blessed privilege of going into the presence of God ourselves. How thankful we ought to be. I will sing unto the Lord, for He has triumphed gloriously. He's given me that privilege. And and as I was thinking about that reality, and about the work of Christ as that great high priest, I, I, I was reminded that as God had a plan, a provision, a purpose, and a protection... For the Levitical priest, that's the same that he has for the great high priest and for us as believers who are a royal priesthood. God had a plan. God had a plan. In Genesis chapter 3 and verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your, you bruise you on the head, and you shall bruise him on the heel. 
That was the beginning of this plan. God would send someone who, who would be able to crush the deceiver. And then he, he, he had a provision in Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4. But when the fullness of time has come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman, made under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. How can we draw near to God? God says, at the right time, I will send My Son into the world to redeem you. I'll provide a sacrifice an eternal sacrifice, a once-for-all sacrifice for my people so that you can draw near to the presence of God. There was a plan. There was a provision. There was a purpose. And that purpose was to save sinners. First Timothy chapter 1 and verse 15. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Paul says, of whom I am chief. Christ Jesus came to seek and to save those which were lost. His purpose was to be the great high priest, the once for all sacrifice for His people. And then there's the protection. There's protection. He continues to care for us. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6, He who begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. You see, what was begun there in the Old Covenant with the Levitical priest was a sign of what God had for His people in the New Covenant in sending of His Son into the world that we now might draw near to God. Seeing we have such a great high priest, what? Let us draw near to God. My friend, do you know that high priest? Do you know what it is to have a relationship with Almighty God? Through His Son, Jesus Christ, He's provided that for everyone who believes. And having provided that, then my second question is, are you drawing near to God? Is there a real, intimate relationship with God Almighty through His Son? I'm not saying, are you playing church? I'm not asking you if you profess something. I'm asking you, is there a drawing near to Almighty God? Is there a real relationship? A young man might wish to have a relationship with a young lady. He might wish he was married. He might imagine what it was like to be married and have a relationship with a young lady. He might go through all that. But until he is married, there's no relationship. It's only when you enter into a relationship with the spouse that you enjoy all the privileges that come with that relationship. Perhaps you're here this morning and you think about drawing near to God. You, you want a relationship with God. You'd like to think at times you have, but you've never come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. And I'm here to offer Him to you this morning. He stands ready to save anyone who comes to Him in faith. He's provided us with this great high priest. 
And as we shall see this afternoon, God willing, who left all the glories of heaven and took on flesh that He might be a perfect, spotless Lamb to be sacrificed for us and for our sins. So here we have the Levites and their responsibility as they enter into that promised land. Let's pray. Father in Heaven, we pray this morning You would come by Your Spirit and perhaps have dealings with some who sit among us who are still lost in their sin. Father, they have no relationship with You because their sin has separated You from them. And how we pray that this morning You would cause them to cry out like that jailer man many years ago, what must I do to be saved? And to hear the answer, believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved. And Father, we pray that it's the people of God who profess that we have such a priest. We pray that we would ever be growing in our relationship to You. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord. May that be our cry. May that be that which we pursue diligently to the glory and honor of our God. As we ask these things in Christ's name, Amen. Turn to hymn 187 in the hymns of grace. 187 before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love. Whoever lives and pleads for me. 187 in the hymns of grace. Let's stand together as we sing. 